I would just lift up uh, one uh, scripture this morning, the one that we've gotten to today, and that's the third chapter, the third verse, where he says, I exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all delivered unto the saints. Many Many scholars would say that this particular verse is one of the most pertinent passages in the church or in God's word for today. Um, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, says in his commentary about this particular verse, when I gave all diligence to write to you of the common salvation designed for all, and enjoyed by all believers. Here the design of the epistle is expressed, the end of which exactly answers the beginning. It was needful to exhort you to contend earnestly. And then he adds, yet humbly, meekly, and lovingly. Otherwise, your contention will only hurt your cause, if not destroy your soul. For the faith... All the fundamental truths once delivered by God to remain unvaried forever. Those are John Wesley's words. John Wesley held that the essentials of the faith are changeless. They're not revised from time to time. They're the same as they were at the very beginning. He shared this quote from St. Augustine, uh, which uh, sums it all up pretty well. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Later on, he would say in uh, one of his uh, uh, most important sermons, if you could, unless one is more important than the other, he uh, talks about uh, the essentials. And he says that in essentials, we should be one. We should be unified. And in those things that are not essentials, think and let think. And then he goes on and explains that there are those things that are, they're solid. They're foundational, such as the things we find in our creeds, the Nicene Creed, the uh, 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 Apostles Creed, and uh, the Athanasian Creed, which you'll find all in your uh, hymnal there. Those line out the very basics of the faith. And once you get beyond those, you're getting into opinion. Opinions are things like uh, whether there should be uh, instrumental music in a worship service or not. You know, there's some denominations, that's what they're based on, is no music in the worship service. Uh, no instruments, excuse me. They sing beautifully, but uh, no instruments. Uh, others... It's the amount of water. How much water does it take to save a soul? Uh, in fact, uh, there's a, a joke about a Methodist and a Baptist talking about that. And uh, uh, one of them saying, so uh, you think you have to be, the Methodist said, you have to think be put all the way under the water. I said, yep, that's the only way. Well, what if I just got into my waist or to my knees? Would that be enough? Nope. Nope. Up to my waist. Nope. That's not enough. How about up to my chest? That's not enough. Up to my chin? 
No. To my nose? No. How about up over my eyeballs? Would that be enough? No, that's not enough. Well, what about if I just left this little bitty spot right up here on top of my head, could not, not covered with water? Would that be enough? No. So you'd agree this is the most important part, right? And the Baptist said, yep, that's it. He said, well, that's what we Methodists make sure we take care of. <laughs> so, but that's opinion, you know, it's opinion as to how much water. The most important thing we all know is to have a dedicated life in a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There are lots of opinions, but we need to, in opinions, let think and let think. And in the essentials, we need to be one. And the church is one in the essentials. Once you get away from the essentials, you're into apostasy, which is what Jude was addressing. Uh, he, uh, Jude was writing to the church to exhort them to stay on track with the essentials and not to be led astray by false teachers and teachings within the church, not just without the church. The greatest enemies are those that are within the church trying to lead us into wrong directions. He uses the word common salvation. And the word common in English uh, uh, is, uh, well, the, the Greek word is koinase, which uh, means shared or held in common. Koinonia is fellowship. It's something we all hold together. And when Jude said that he had intended to write about the common salvation, he was talking about the salvation that unites all true believers. That's what he started out wanting to write about. And uh, uh, the first two verses of the first hymn that we sang today pretty well lay this out. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. Elect from every nation, yet one o'er all the earth, her charter of salvation, one Lord, one faith, one birth. One holy name she blesses, partakes one holy food, and to one hope she presses with every grace endued. You see, there is a common faith that we all hold to. Jude said he was planning on writing on some facet of our salvation. It could have been redemption. Uh, it could have been about the person of Jesus Christ. It could have been about sanctification. Any number of things it could have been about. But uh, he didn't write on any of those themes because he said, it was needful for me to write unto you to exhort you that you should earnestly contend. Listen to those words, earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all delivered unto the saints. Now, whenever it says the faith once for all delivered unto the saints, He's not talking about being delivered to uh, Peter and John and James and uh, all of those guys. Those were the apostles. 
the saints were the believers. And so you are one of the saints that this faith has been delivered to. Once for all delivered unto the saints. The faith has been delivered to us. The Holy Spirit led Jude away from writing on some of these different themes of the faith and instead led him to sound an alarm concerning uh, the apostasy that was coming and that was already upon them, actually. Now, I can understand this. And this Jude here really lifts up a curtain and helps you see something about the writing of the Bible. Somehow, this letter that uh, Jude intended to write to uh, uh, people in the church that needed to hear it, the one that he was going to write, the Lord said, no, 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 Jude, there's something else I want you to get across to the people. And so he had Jude stop what he was getting ready to share and instead share something else which became a part of the Bible. And uh, so you see, uh, there's one author and 40 writers. Remember that, one author, and that is God the Father. And uh, through the Holy Spirit, he inspired people through the ages. And he does it in different ways. He did it in different ways. He just told Moses, write this down. And sometimes he would tell the prophets, this is what I want you to say. And then here he stops Jude as Jude was uh, trying to be a pastor and send out a uh, basically a, uh, an epistle to his uh, flock uh, in a pastoral way. He said, no, Jude, this is what you need to write. And so that God brought that into this book. And so he uses all sorts of different, he used all sorts of different ways to bring all of these different authors' writings together in this one book, the Bible. So remember, one author, 40 writers. And uh, I can understand this, uh, what Jude was going through at that time. Sometimes I'll come across something in my Bible study or in our devotional time, and I'll think, this is really important, and I ought to preach about this. And then I'll start studying, and I'll just go, wow! And I'll just dig into it and dig into it, and I'll just happily uh, work on it all week, and I'll get insights, I'll be convicted, I'll have to repent. And then Saturday afternoon, all of a sudden I'll look, and it's like, it's just flat. It won't preach. There's nothing here. Those people don't need to hear this. And then the Lord will say, uh, Joel, that was for you. <laughs> oh, thanks, Lord. You know, now that here it is Saturday evening. And what am I going to tell those people? And within an hour and a half, he will have pulled together what he wants for you guys to hear. And it's usually something that I had jotted down at the beginning of the week in my Bible study. And I look back and it's the outline for my sermon. And I didn't even realize it. But he didn't want me to concentrate on that then because he had to do some work in me before I could stand before you. And so uh, that's just how he works.
And so uh, I can understand that. And so as uh, Jude was preparing to write a personal epistle to edify the church, the Lord laid it on his heart that there's something very important that he needed to do. He needed to give the church guidance and encouragement as to how to address the apostasy that was going on within the church. Interestingly, his words like all of God's word is timeless and the church needs this message today just as much as it was needed shortly uh, after the first Pentecost. In fact, we're still going through this so big and in, in, uh, uh, the, the global Methodist church is growing um, and the uh, there's going to be another uh, called annual conference of the United, uh, Texas annual conference in the United Methodist Church because there are more churches that are wanting to disaffiliate. And this is what disaffiliation is all about. It's about the apostasy. It's about the fact that our leaders were going on straying away from God's word and away from God's truth and trying to write their own scripture and revise and correct what God said. And so this is why we had to leave. And this is why others are still uh, coming to this place. And so be in prayer for those churches that are going to be brought up uh, for a vote on December the 14th. And this will be the last chance that people will have to get away from that sort of stuff. So uh, just remember that. But one of the things that's never talked about in uh, the Methodist church is apostolic succession. And uh, you see, when Methodist ministers are ordained, they're entrusted with both guarding and handing on the faith that was handed down from person to person from uh, the first apostles. In the ordination service, when I was ordained an elder, a bishop laid hands on me and he gave me that charge to take authority to do these things. And there was a bishop before him that had laid hands upon him and put that charge upon him. And before that, another. And before that, another. And there is this succession of the faith and the uh, authority to defend and expound upon the faith being passed on from uh, elder to elder in the church. And as you look back, you can see that uh, this goes on back into, uh, well, back to Francis Asbury, who was the one, first one that came over and began to ordain the preachers in uh, the colonies. And then uh, after he had ordained, before that, he was ordained by John Wesley. And before that, John Wesley was ordained by an Anglican priest. And those priests all the way back uh, until the uh, go back into the Catholic Church. And so they were. And so it goes all the way back ultimately to Peter. And if all the guys starting with the bishop who ordained me, if I held his hand and he held the one back, there would be a continuous line all the way back to Peter, where the faith has been entrusted to us to pass it on and to expound upon it, not to change it, but to defend it, to guard it, and to help others to know it and understand it. 
And so uh, that's what apostolic succession is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be a safeguard. And yet some people nowadays are even abusing that. And, uh, and so that's about all I can say about that. Back when this started, the apostasy was just about the little cloud, about the size of a man's hand. And today it's become a, a storm of hurricane force that is filling our land. False teachers have slipped into the church and they're leading people astray. And they're still doing the same today. As Jude writes about the apostasy uh, that was coming uh, we can see many things that he mentioned taking place today, as I've said. You see, the apostasy is not something coming. It's all around us today. The, one of the words he uses is needful. It was necessary for Jude to write this. When I was about to write to you about some great doctrine uh, which the apostles gave us, a necessity is laid upon me instead to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. Earnestly, that means sincerely and deeply contend for the faith. Contend in this context means to struggle in opposition, to dispute earnestly. The thought here is to contend without being contentious. Jude is urging uh, that we contend earnestly. It doesn't mean we're to be argumentative or contentious. Rather, the single Greek word, epagonizomai, and it's only used this one time in the Bible, this Greek word is, only used this time, literally means to agonize over to struggle with intense determination. And our challenge today is to contend for the essentials of the faith without being fiery and contentious. And this is our challenge. So how do we uh, handle those that we come across that are in the church and those that are sniping at the church? How do we contend for the truth in love? I want to close with a story that kind of gives a great example of this. It happened back in the days of Nero, but it's one of the most well-documented uh, uh, martyrdoms that we have in, uh, in the church. In the days of Nero, the emperor of Rome, uh, there was a band of elite soldiers known as the uh, emperor's wrestlers and there were 40 of them there were 40 of the best athletes in the roman amphitheater and they were the bravest soldiers in all the roman army they were like the special forces of the roman army and they wrestled for the emperor against all who challenged them and before each contest they'd stand before the emperor's throne and cry out Forty wrestlers wrestling for thee, O emperor, to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. One year in midwinter, there was a rebellion waged in Gaul, which is modern day France. The emperor sent for his wrestlers and he told them to go to Gaul 
and to end this war that was raging on. And this brave group of 40 wrestlers left Rome under the command of Vespasian. And while in Gaul, rumors began to spread in Rome that many of the emperor's wrestlers had become Christians. When the news of this reached Nero, the emperor uh, uh, sent a message to uh, Vespasian and he made this decree. He said, if there be any among your soldiers who cling to the faith of the Christians, they must die. It was in the dead of winter that Vespasian received the message while his soldiers were camped beside a frozen lake in Gaul. Vespasian assembled all of his troops and he asked, Are there any among you who cling to the faith of the Christians? If so, let him step forward. And I must tell you, all that step forward will be put to death. And I have heard it said, a Christian will not deny being so. Instantly, all 40 men stepped forward two paces, saluted, stood at attention and said, we believe in Jesus Christ as he is the Messiah and we will worship him. Vespasian was stunned. He'd not expected any to step forward, really. Vespasian then said to all of them, until sundown, I shall give you time to recant and to deny your faith. At sundown, the soldiers were again assembled together. Vespasian said, who still clings to the Christian faith, even if it means death? Again, 40 soldiers stepped forward and stood at attention and said the same thing. Vespasian pleaded with them to deny their faith, but not one soldier would deny their Lord. Vespasian didn't want these men that he loved, respected, and who he had fought beside uh, together to die by the blade of the sword. And so he built a large fire by that frozen lake, and he had them stripped naked. Vespasian reluctantly said, The decree of the emperor must be obeyed. So you shall stand out on the frozen lake, exposed to the elements, until you freeze to death. Should you recant and deny Christ, the fire will remain burning on shore. And by returning to the shelter of the fire, you will be, be denouncing Christ, and you shall live. The forty soldiers didn't wait to have their clothes taken off of them. They stripped themselves. They fell into four columns of ten each and then voluntarily marched to the center of the frozen lake to their death. But as they marched onto the ice, they chanted, Forty wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. All night long, Vespasian stood by his campfire and watched those 40 brave wrestlers out on the ice as they slowly succumbed to the elements. But they continued singing that song. 
40 wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win of thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. As morning drew near, one wrestler, no longer able to stand the freezing cold, walked off the ice and came to the edge of the fire, renouncing his faith in Christ. Thinking he was gaining the victory over them after all, Vespasian thought, Aha, more will come. I know these warriors. As he waited, standing pompously there by the lake, no more came. Then Vespasian heard once again, very faintly from the frozen lake, 39 wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. Vespasian, standing there by that fire all night, was thinking as he continued to stand there, God touched his heart. Vespasian himself slowly removed his cloak, his helmet, his armor, and calmly walked down upon the frozen lake to join his men. And as he walked, he chanted, Forty wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory, and from thee the victor's crown. These wrestlers, by their faith, by their actions, and by their dedication to Jesus Christ, were able to turn the great commander's heart to Jesus. That's how you contend for the faith without being contentious. You just hold fast. You hold true no matter what's thrown at you. And the Lord will help you with the rest. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.